to the Gridiron Crew podcast, an NFL podcast made in Scotland by NFL lovers. Happy New Year! You are listening to and watching The Review Crew, and I am your host, Brian, the conscience of Cleveland Donlan. Now, remember, give us a like, give us a subscribe, follow the crew on X, on Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, threads, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. So remember, like, subscribe, follow folks, grow the community. Uh, we would love to hear from you all as we start to work our way towards the end of the regular season. It's came in so, so fast. Now, as always, I am joined by some of the, the cream of the crop that the crew has to offer us. First, we've got the man who gets multiple Christmas dinners. Um, the, the UK really, really needs to rip off Thanksgiving, but we really need another excuse for a massive turkey dinner. Um, however, this man has choked down more turkey than the Bengals have choked playoff opportunities. Uh, still, how are you doing? All right, man. Um, I just when you started the show there, I noticed that you mentioned that uh, we're approaching the end of the season. What do you mean approaching? It ended last week. <laughs> however, I'm in I'm in full like uh, draft mode now. I've already started doing mock drafts for the Bengals and that based on uh, you know I was going out. But um, so no, the Bengals have been in draft mode since week ten. To be fair, I, I, I have actually, you can probably go back through our messages and check and see when did Stuart do his first mock draft. Of the first mock draft. It probably was around about week nine or week ten. But um, no, hats off to Browning and that getting us as far as he did. And uh, at least we made it respectable. That's all I can That's all I can say. Even against the Chiefs at the weekend. But I imagine, well imagine done to Brown, Joe. Well well done. I imagine having to make do with a backup quarterback. wonder how that feels. Moving on. Um, we are, we are also joined by Kevin. And Kev has loved giving us a theme this year. So at the start of the season, it was all about victories and it was all about just enough. And as the season draws to an end, they are showing how closely they can be the Dallas Cowboys, not the, the Dallas Cowboys that chucks 40s up on random teams, the Dallas Cowboys that loses. Ah, well, no, 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 no. More about that later. Kev, how are you doing, sir? Hi Brian, uh, Happy New Year, guys. By the way, uh, <laughs> I just realised when you said it to uh, to the listeners that none of us had said it to one another unless the first I've spoke to you. So uh, <laughs> Happy New Year. Um, to be honest, I, I'm forgetting it's New Year. To be honest, um, just lose track of lose track of time at this time of year. Um, I, and I also thought that that first introduction was mine. Uh, uh, I had about three Christmas dinners at my at my, my, my work's Christmas do. Um, I, I thought somehow you'd got wind of that and were in <laughs> thrown it up in my introduction. Mate, I will never. I will hold extra turkey dinners against no man. It should be a far more regular part of the year. Is all I'm saying. I love it. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Welcome, guys, and welcome, obviously, listeners, all the rest. Of it. We are going to get stuck in. And we are going to start to look back over week six, uh, week 17. That's me, me falling into bad habits. Um, but as always, before we get going, we like to get ourselves set up with a wee kick-off question. Now, one of the big news stories of the week was all about David Tepper, owner of the Carolina Panthers, throwing a drink on a Jags fan. Uh, straight out of the box, bump right into the guy's face. Um, and yeah, after yet another Carolina loss, why he's surprised by Carolina losses at this point in the season, I'm not quite sure, but evidently it's upsetting. Um, so 
our question to to walk into the, this week's pod and walk into the new year with um, is which sporting personality, past or present, would you most like to throw a drink in the face of? Um, you know, I thought, oh, there'd be a New Year's resolution or something chipper and upbeat. I thought, nah, who would you most like to like chuck a drink at in the sporting world? Um, NFL, other sports, top, total open floor, guys. Who would your your person be, your sporting personality that you would like to throw a drink over most? Uh, Stu, start us off, mate. I thought long and hard about this, and honestly, it can only be one person that I'm going to throw my drink all over. I'm going to take you all the way back to November 9th, 1997, and this is probably the, the blackest day in sports history. Um, now, almighty and one of the greatest, almighty Canadian and one of the greatest of all time, like one of the best to ever do it, Brett the Hitman Hart, <laughs> was in line to leave the WWF, as it was known at the time. Um, he'd agreed to join the WCW, and at the time, he was the champion. And uh, he, he basically, Vince McMahon, wanted uh, him to lose the belt before he left. Brett the Hitman Hart had it in his contract that he know he was to be the champion at this point in time, and he refused to lose to Shawn Michaels. And then the Vince McMahon, along with the referee, uh, they basically conspired to have Brett the Hitman Hart lose the belt in Montreal, so on Canadian soil as well. So it was a slap in the face to the whole nation. To have <laughs> down. So I'm throwing my drink in Vince McMahon's face. I like that of, of all of the many, many times that Vince McMahon has committed, both both entertainment related and otherwise, we are choosing this. This is the worst. This is this is the straw that broke the camel the Canadian camel's back. Was <laughs> losing Brett the Hitman Hart that title. Remember the days of WWF? They were they were good days. Yeah, they were but, good days. But do you know, it's, I, it's, it'd be hard to tell. We, we, yeah, you know, the attitude era was WWE. That was just after the, the changeover, wasn't it? That was a good era as well. I enjoyed the attitude era. It um, was. I mean, that's the thing, though, is like, it, like, you know, obviously the Hitman left, went to WCW, and that's when WCW really had its heyday, but they like just blew all of their money. So they ended up eventually having to be bought out by the WWF to kind of keep them going, you know, as it were. Um, and then they all came back. Like, you know, you had Hollywood Hogan in that show up and you ended up with that whole oh. kind of, the whole feud. <laughs> like, the Remember when Hogan was a heel? That was the oh, strangest thing ever. It was one of the best Hogan. things to happen to the sport. Hogan is a heel was so weird. Yeah. That didn't make any sense. I loved it. No, no, it didn't make sense, though. Go back and watch the heel turn. I think it's one of, like, it's probably one of the top moments in wrestling history. Just because it was so dramatic and nobody saw it coming. Exactly, so it makes no sense. It um, made sense. It made sense at the time. You have to go back and watch it. Right, okay. Uh, so Vince McMahon is getting a, a, a jug of finest Canadian, I don't know, maple syrup. Maple syrup. Uh, fresh from Stu for his insults to Brett the Hitman Hart and laterally all of Canada. Uh, Kev, what about yourself? Who is getting a drink in the face? Uh, I don't know if it's because you're asking me at this time of year um, and darts is obviously um, in, in the forefront at the minute with the World Championships going on right 
as we speak, in fact. I, I, won't, uh, I won't lie, I do have it on another screen nearby. <laughs> yeah, you got one eye on it. So um, I think for me, um, Gerwin Price, um, I just cannot stand that guy. When I watch darts, like, I don't think any other sporting personality does does the same to me. Um, but when I watch the darts and he's on the stage, he just winds me up. Um, I don't know if it's his over-celebrating or a couple of little run-ins he had with Gary Anderson, who's one of my favourites. Um, but, yeah, I just don't like the guy. So if, if I was at the darts um, and got close enough, I'd chuck a pint in his face. Now, do you know, I, I won't lie. I, say I do I do actually have the darts final on at the side. Now, I've only got it on because I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of the old Aris, but I've got it on because of the story. We all know, we all know that uh, look. Little or look Littler, whatever the guy's oh, name is, a 16 year old chap. So I'm intrigued by the story, but because of this, I don't actually know Gervin Price when, when Kev mentioned him. So I did, I did quickly there in the background, folks, stuck it into Google. One of the first things that comes up is uh, Gervin Price putting a dart into his mouth. Um, which I, based on that alone, he seems exactly the kind of guy that deserves a drink chucked in his cup. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because yeah, <laughs> who does that? Although I won't, I won't like him, he looks like quite a big chap. So I think you well, he used to play rugby. He was a rugby player, um, and then he, he converted to darts, which is was, which is quite interesting. And when I when I found out about that, I thought, oh, I, you know, I'm in, I'm intrigued by this. I wonder how this is going to go. But his 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 attitude and demeanour on the stage is just atrocious. So maybe that's why you get run out of the rugby. Does he make a good teammate kind of thing? Um, yeah. That poses an interesting uh, potential kickoff question for later, though, uh, Brian. Is um, which NFL players would uh, make the best crossover to darts? I mean, it's probably going to be quarterbacks. So, yeah, the, the, the crossover no one's seen coming. Um, yeah. Sorry, so so Stu is chucking uh, a glass of maple syrup in Vince McMahon's face. Kev's going to be chucking something debilitating in Gerben Price's face. Because I'll be honest. <laughs> If, if you threw a normal drink in his face and he get his hands on you, Kev, I would fear for you, mate. <laughs> Just say, it looks like a big chap. And as an ex-rugby player, he's probably got a wee, wee burst of speed of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, for me, there, there, there could be only one there, as as a faithful Browns fan, and I stuck to the, the NFL for this, there could be only one, and I'm going all the way back, and it's Art Modell for crimes committed against Cleveland. And it's that you know, I don't even know what's worse getting rid of the Browns for the four, whatever number of years it was that the Browns didn't exist, or for establishing the Baltimore Ravens. I don't know which of those things upsets me more. Um, but anyway, for that, he's getting I don't even know what drink he's getting in his face, but it's like being delivered via a hose, uh, as opposed to a pint tumbler. Um, right, okay, uh, there we go. With that said, I feel better. I get that off my chest. I hope you boys do as well. Uh, so, with that all said, we are going to move on. We're going to get stuck into our review of all things Week 17. Uh, and we are going to start off, and I'm taking the lead, um, because, well, do you know, do you know, I'm going to say I'm taking the lead because we were Thursday night football, and we were early. Uh, and it was Jets at Browns. Gentlemen, gentlemen, it's happened. We have all went wacko for flacco. The Browns have clinched. A playoff spot, postseason guaranteed. It is glorious, uh, and what a game it was as well. Um, so my my, my big takeaways for the game, 
Um, we are wacko for Flacco, as I say. Uh, Joe Flacco has got more TDs this season than some quarterbacks have in their entire NFL career. Uh, and that is especially worth noting because Flacco has started a grand total of five games for the Cleveland Browns. And he is sitting with 13 career touchdowns, which is, is wild in the manner of it. Some of the performances have been absolutely insane. Um, obviously, one of the big concerns uh, coming out this week for the Browns was Noah Mary Cooper. He'd had a monster day, week 16, 230 odd yards. I can't even remember how many yards he had, but it was an insane yardage total that he put up. Um, got a bit banged up, couldn't suit up this week. So, worries, 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 who's going to do the catching? Um, we've all seen uh, in KC, you know, what happens when you've got a very good quarterback and receivers that aren't playing. So, I've got receivers in Kansas in case they don't exist. Brian, um, can, I still, can I stop you there for one second? Yeah. I, I love the fact that you have just put Joe Flacco in the same bracket as Patrick Mahomes. I think you'll find that I've graciously agreed to put Patrick Mahomes in the same bracket as Joe Flacco. Because <laughs> uh, January Joe is a thing, uh, as as we well know. Um, but yeah, so right, it was the big question, Mark. What's going to happen? Who's going to be catching the passes? Come at the man, come at the chief. David Njoku stepping up with 134 yards. Um, monster day, monster performance. You you could see he was on fire. He was. Oh, oh, too soon, too soon. Too soon, too soon. Did you not see, well, on, on the note of that, did they catch the, the Browns Christmas I post? Did. That, that's me, that's me, that was nice. Christmas cartoon with all the players. And David and Joku replied to it immediately. I was like, I can't believe you put me that close to the fireplace. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's I said. I got yeah. the art department. Well, somebody needs to have a look. David and Joku have kind of been. I've been waiting for him to kind of have a game like that for a while. So, uh... do you know? I'm gonna. I'm. I'm, I'm gonna step on that a wee bit because Joku has been performing all year. Oh, he has. Um, I've, I've been waiting for Joku. I've been waiting for this year out of Joku. David Njoku's uh, 27-28, and this is statistically, this is when tight ends start to to find their feet and hit their stride and all the rest of it. And it really, really is the case with Njoku. All I've heard as a Browns fan for years is David Njoku's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And my God, he is, by most metrics, I think at least a top five tight end this year, if not better. Um, he's been absolutely unbelievable and he's been an absolute godsend. Uh, he's been incredible. And um, particularly games, Flacco's obviously used them, but particularly the games when we you know when we were starting PJ Walker, when we were starting DTR, giving them that little that little safety blanket, those little short yardage dump off passes, and Joku's been incredible. Um, we also had uh, Elijah Moore. Now he did go off at the half, but first half he'd accumulated 61 yards. So he was on pace for a great game, 61 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he was in pace for a fantastic game. Um, Ford and Hunt, fantastic tandem. It does go, do you know, do you know, do you know, the Ford and Hunt thing, it does go to show me how special Chubb is and how special Chubb, CMC, to a lesser extent this season, Henry, um, and the dying, Tyron Williams is a good example as well, actually the dying nature of the bell cow back. Because Ford and Hunt are a fantastic tandem. They work really, really well together. 
Um, neither of them's a bell cow. Neither of them would function with a bell cow's workload, the different skill sets that's needed, or the rest of it. Um, so it does go to show you for if you are the fan or a fan, singular law fan, uh, of a team with a bell cow back, I appreciate them because they are they are really, really rare. Um negatives for the Browns. Um turnovers. Ah, it's still a money. It's still a money. Um with what? With one pick. Well, no, we didn't. We had one pick six, and it wasn't even. No, I mean, you get some pick sixes. You get some pick sixes, you kind of look at them and you go, Do you know what? There's not a lot the QB could have done. Yeah. No, this was all on Flacco. This was just a bad pass. This was just a bad choice. He chucked it up. It got batted down and ran in for six. And there's there's nobody to blame but himself. Now, I don't get it. And this is where, Stu, you've, you've connected me when I've complained about this vocally in the group chat. Um, about Joe Flacco and his, his interceptions. He is a gunslinger. Yeah, he is going to chuck it up. Comes as part of the game. That I, comes with interceptions. That's that's exactly what I was going to jump in with and say was, you know what, with, with Joe Flacco, I, I think you have to live and die by that sword a little bit. And the fact that he's been such a good news story for you, you know, in those five games he's played, I think you can forgive him that one. That one there. Yeah. But, I mean, you, you have to remember the guy's going to do it, though, because that's okay. what he... And the thing is, is like, in a way, as much as, yeah, I know it was batted down and he took it and it was completely on him, at the same time, the fact that he is going to throw it up, it makes defences, or it kind of keeps them honest in the sense yes. that they have to be looking for that pass coming so they need to sit slightly deeper if they're anticipating it to try and get the interceptions, because if the which then, you know, it means it kind of opens it up for anything underneath or... If you want to do throw in a run play there, which the Browns, let's face it, are quite good at the old run plays, even without you. We do like so, run play. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I would say just, just live with it and just enjoy the ride. Well, <laughs> he's not seen an eight touchdowns to picks this in, in the yeah. five games he's played. So they are, you know, I mean, that's is a is a ratio is way too high. Um, but is it going yeah. to hurt you in the playoffs? I mean, that, that's the thing, is like that is the thing when you're, when you're doing that. Yeah, it's the, right, the we don't want to get into too much kind of prognosticate in the future, but um, if you meet a Ravens D or something like that, that's probably when you worry a bit more. Met a Ravens D, beat a Ravens D, mate. In the regular season. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's obviously the worry. Um, Browns D is still elite, but we were playing against Trevor Simeon, so that's, that's not too exciting. Uh, Trevor, Trevor Simeon that managed to put 20 points up on us, to be fair. Um I don't know. I, you know, I, I sat, I went back through all of this and I tried my best actually. I rewatched the highlights, did all the bit, looked at the stats, and I was like, right, what have I got to say about the Jets that's nice? What can I what can I tell the dear Jets fans listening that they can take some solace from? And I came up with one thing. Brees Hall is legit. Yep. Brees Hall is legit. He gashed us more than once. And yeah, D isn't playing at the level it was earlier in the year. Um, it's still an elite unit, but and he gashed it. So take some credit, take some sauce for that. But like other than that, they they literally need everything else on offense. Everything. I mean, <laughs> Aaron, good to Rod- Aaron Rodgers is coming, I guess. <laughs> Aye, but Aaron Rodgers with me blocking for him is uh, only going to do so well. <laughs> We could genuinely do a wee, wee run of the crew and we could get a better offensive line than what the New York Jets have put in front of their QBs this season. Even then, you look at like Garrett Wilson 
in flashes, he's looked good. He's looked good as a deceiver. Uh, I don't know. I, I I'm not coming out on the the Garrett Wilson hype train yet. I'm gonna wait to see if he can do it when he's get when he when he does have good quarterback play. Because I don't think it's fair to judge him on the quarterback play he's had so far. I don't think that's right. So I'm not getting down on him. I'm not getting excited either. But other other than him, again, they've nobody at wide receiver. They've nobody at tight end. They've their all lines crap. They've not really got anything behind Brees Hall at running back. Defense is solid. Nobody, nobody will take away for the, for the Jets. The Jets is excellent, but ah, it's a tough time. Tough time to be a Jets fan. Uh, but it's not a tough time to be a Browns fan because as I say, we are now sat there sitting pretty, uh, eleven and five. Super Bowl bound, guaranteed. <laughs> guaranteed Super Bowl appearance. See you um, there. With, right there. Right, get the mortgage on it, boys. Get the mortgage on it. Um, what did what did we think? What did, was there any takeaways that you guys had for the game? It's one that it's one that you've been bothered together with a chance to see actually because it wasn't being blocked by any lesser footballing experiences. Oh, don't give me dead air, guys. This is like being in my day job, but ask the Waynes. Do, do you know what, Brian? Do you know what, Brian? For me, it was. It was one of the few Browns games where I've not been surprised by the result. That's that's about the best thing I can say about it. I mean, uh, every week I've been lo- looking at who you're playing and thinking, nah, they'll, they'll not win that. Surely they won't win this one, um, you know, with the injuries you've had, etc. But, um, yeah, I think it went exactly as I, as I would expect. Um, um, and I'm, I'm chuffed for you that you've made it into the, the playoffs. Do you know... It is, and I'll come to you in a wee sex, but it is wild because it's 27% now. But in Dover, I mean, DTR nudged it up a wee tiny bit. Uh, but 27% of the Brown salary cap's currently on IR. We are, and yes, Flacco has been an absolute find, came off the couch, he's been playing incredible. He is our fourth quarterback of the year. And we are 11 and 5, playoff bound. And I, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that we are a team that no one in the AFC really wants to deal with. I mean, I don't. Nobody would look at their potential opponents in the AFC saying, "Why well, we'll, we'll take the Browns. The Browns will be the one we would want." Yeah, okay. The Ravens are, are top of the pile. There, so nobody will say different. But even the Ravens, they'll be happy that we are not sneaking in as the last seed that they would have to them players. I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying by that. I'm proud. I'm proud of my Browns. <laughs> uh, so, what were you? What were some of your big, your big thoughts, your takeaways for the for watching the mighty Cleveland Browns? I mean, I would say you've kind of covered the Browns pretty well. They oh, yeah, are, Jets, um, Yeah, Jets. Like, just kind of thinking about them. Like, um, obviously, not the year they wanted. And it all went wrong. Four snaps in. You know, when we go all the way back in time. Five snaps. Five snaps. Five, sorry, five snaps. Yeah, if you five click. Yeah, the fifth, one, the fifth one was the important one. Yeah, yeah. The fifth, the fifth snap um, involved in those four snaps. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it all went wrong back then. However, when you, when you then look at what happened as the year kind of progressed, yeah, they, it does look like they have a defence that's like definitely playoff worthy. Um, I would say because the defence was keeping them in games earlier in the season, and then just as the year went on, I feel like even for them, they kind of just basically got overworked and overplayed. Because if they, I, I would need to both pull up the numbers, but I would actually love to know how much time the Jets spent on uh, defence versus their offence. Like on the year, but um, so I would say for one thing for Solace, yeah, you've got the defense in place pretty much, so just keep going with that. 
Um, but you highlighted it, Brian, the O-line. I wonder even if they had had Aaron Rodgers for the whole year, would he have ended up murdered by week six or something anyway? Just because if that was what they were putting in front of him, they were, it was a sieve kind of thing. That's the only thing I can really say about it. Um, so that that's area number one that they have to fix before they do anything else. And sure, yeah, they could be doing with some better pass catch and tight ends and um, another wide receiver to have behind Garrett Wilson that's kind of going to catch some balls or whatever. But I think first and foremost, if they can fix the O-line and keep Aaron Rodgers in the game, then I do think they have a chance at making the playoffs. Will they be contenders for the Super Bowl? That's unlikely. Um, but at least you'll be on the up because, I mean, the Jets have had a bit of... Uh, a long, rough ride in terms of making the playoffs over the past, uh, what, decade decades. now? Like, yeah, decades. 15, yeah, decades. Like, I mean, for, they had some good teams, like, you know, and amongst uh, those kind of the years of the Pats' dominance. Like, the Jets were kind of the next best in that division. And you do think that there were a couple of years, like, in the kind of late 2000s, where maybe they could have pushed for a Super Bowl if Tom Brady wasn't around. Kind of thing, but um, since then, yeah, it's been it's been a rough time for them. But uh, you know, on the Browns, like I know, I, I obviously I'm a Bengals fan, so I don't like you very much. But at the same time, I respect what you have achieved this year. Yeah. And Joe Flacco story is great because I'm like, you know what? He's 39 or whatever. I'm 39. Maybe there's hope for me. Yeah, there's hope. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for all his old dudes. <laughs> Snow sat on his couch every weekend staring at the phone. Just, just and he's playing for the, that's the thing too, is like he's doing it for the enemy team. You know, after all those years, I've been hated. As as one, yeah, it's it's been good. Right, tell you what, uh, we're gonna move. So if you're talking about, about the Jets and one team that needs some serious help on the O-line to another team that was using its O-line exceptionally effectively, or so we thought. Uh, we are going to move on to our second game of the week. It was the Lions at the Cowboys, uh, America's game. Uh, and it was certainly the game afterwards on the lips of every American and otherwise NFL fan out there. Uh, Stu, you are going to give us the, the rundown of this one, mate. Take it away. Um, yeah, we'll get that America's game thing. Uh, we'll get to that towards the end as uh, is suited, but... Um... You know, you could say that in a way it sort of kind of mirrored a lot of things you would suspect about America in some ways. That, you know, if some slightly dodgy, deci- you know, brilliant play, slightly dodgy decisions from some people in power, uh, and then maybe some accusations of corruption that weren't really there. But, like, you know, we'll get to that. But uh, the actual game itself, like, what a nail biter. Like, what a game mm-hmm. to watch as well. Like, it was really, it was quite, like, I mean, I was watching it, and even as like, somebody that's, not really invested in either of those two teams. Like uh, the Lions have obviously enjoyed the story, and it's the fellow big cat team thing. And now that the Bengals are out, I'll probably be che- they'll be one of the teams I might be cheering for, kind of thing in the playoffs. Um, and I've enjoyed their story all year and all that. But uh, yeah, Dallas as well though. It's you know I've kind of sometimes looked at them and went, are they awesome, or are they in fact a team that are sort of the Miami Dolphins of the NFC who? kind of flattered to deceive sometimes. Like, you know, the I know the Cowboys managed to beat your Eagles, Kev. However, so, you know, that is what... That's looking less and less impressive as the weeks go on, isn't it? But, you know, like, it's just all year Dallas have kind of sort of felt to me a bit like Miami in terms of, like, they can pull off these flashy plays and they can put up massive numbers sometimes, but... 
there's still something not quite right about the whole thing. Uh, although Dallas does have a way better defense than uh, the Miami Dolphins have. But anywho, like as for the game itself, put them together and call them like the Dalami Dolphins. Yeah, and then you can have like a CD Hill and uh, Tyreek Lamb. Jesus, that'd be terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) As much as Waddle and Hill is kind of terrifying in one team, imagine having CD Lamb and Tyreek Hill in one team. Or as one person. Yeah, yeah, like, the the of Tyreek Hill and the sort of kind of slightly stretched size of I mean, Lamb's not exactly slow either, though. But anyway, yeah. we're getting off the point here, guys. Like, <laughs> anyway, the game itself, like, um, it started out like you know, fairly kind of tense, fairly slow, fairly bitty, like, in terms of like, you know, we had the Lions kind of come out, they have the interception. Uh, oh, sorry, no, they, they, who had the interception first? Yeah, Dallas had the interception. The yeah, they, they got the pick. Yeah, they get the pick first, and then Dallas managed to hold uh, the Lions to the field goal. And then after that, ball goes down the other end. What happens straight away? You end up with this absolutely massive monster. What? How long was it? Ninety-eight yard touchdown. Like, you know, Dak looks like he's going to go down in the end zone for the safety. Somehow gets out mm-hmm. of it, squeezes out, then just chucks it up. And who ends up getting it? It's like one one poor safety's back there with CD Lamb on his own. Lamb's just like yoink. He fell over. He fell over as well. Aye. Lamb didn't even really do much. The safety just I don't know if he slipped. I don't know if he was trying to pivot, but he did just hit it. I think it was one of those things where you, you it's like when you're driving on ice, Brian, if you hit the power and you're braking and you're turning all at the same time. It was like he tried to do three things at once and just the wheels went out for under him. It was like, that's what it looked like to me. And Lamb's just like Okay, <laughs> it just kind of turns around and slowly jogs into the end zone. But anyway, like mega impressive play by Dak to like one keep it alive and two throw the ball that far, like in that kind of pressure moment and put it right into the right area where Lamb, fair enough, the safety flipped or whatever. But it's it's still an impressive play and catch kind of thing. So that that kind of blows things up seven three. Um, after that, though, you then end up going into the, the second kind of second quarter. You then have Dallas getting the ball right to the goal line. The same guy, CD Lamb, ball gets chucked towards him. What happens? He's hit on the line, fumbles it. The ball fumbles out the side in the end zone. And to be honest, this is to me. I still think this is one of the stupidest rules in the NFL. Oh. Um, so the ball goes out the side. At the, you know, at the end of the it ends up being kind of classed as a touchback. Yep. So that means, you know, they lose the ball, lose the down or whatever, ball's now Detroit's kind of thing. Um, and to me, I'm a bit like, oh, come on, like, surely that's one of those situations where it'd be better to call it incomplete. But if you're a Detroit fan, obviously you're kind of delighted because then you're you're getting the ball. Um, after that, it, you then end up with it comes back up the other end after a, an amazing fake punt that was involved as well. I um, enjoyed that. I love it. I really enjoyed punt. that. Like, <laughs> I, I love that Dan Campbell, like, he... He likes going into his uh, his bag of tricks to find things, and we'll come to that later on because that mm-hmm. becomes really uh, important for the end of the game. But this was a good use of the bag of tricks, or when it went well, kind of thing. So he ends up fake punt. They go all the way up. They then have multiple run plays and pass plays to try and get it into the end zone. And what happens? The Cowboys stop them. And if they just maybe... It's one of these situations where you go like, you know what, maybe when they got to fourth down, they could have just kicked the field goal and they would have went mm-hmm. in at a half 7-6 down. Instead, the half ends 7-3 to 
to Dallas. So then that's us, you know, we're sitting here. We go not a very high scoring game when you consider how high like high powered both these offenses are and how they're both kind of playoff bound teams, but still exciting nonetheless. There was interceptions, there was fake punts, there was touchbacks, there was like massive 98 yard touchdown play. So you know, I was happy enough as a neutral. Uh, we went into the next half. Uh, we end up with that or the Lions finally managed to pound one home. As well, they had a bunch. In fact, on the in the third quarter, like on that drive, they did have a few good runs um, from from Jameer Gibbs. But looking back at his stats on the game, though, uh, kind of rushing a bit ahead here, like his his longest play was a seventeen yard rush, which was on that play. His average for the game though was only two point nine yards. So Gibbs was kind of getting on fifteen carries, so he was getting stuffed mm-hmm. for most of the game. Uh, Monty, Monty, his longest rush. 22 yards, he averaged 4.6, which is a bit more respectable, but still with your running backs, you kind of want to have at least one of them getting more than five yards or just over five ticks a carry mm-hmm. kind of thing. But uh, he was 14 carries, so they're, they're running those two as a pure tandem um, as well, which is you know exactly what you want to see when you have two running backs like that. They, they do complement each other. Like, you know, Gibbs is obviously the shiftier, faster one, and Montgomery's the power back. But anyway, digress. Point is, Monty punches it in for the touchdown, 10-7. Coming back the other way, Aubrey, who, um, in my book... He's having a great year. For a guy who... Aubrey's only, been thrilled. Well, what I'm going to say here, and uh, this is my slight controversial, but not really controversial for me, because it's it's me. Um, I think Aubrey yeah. should be in the conf- consideration uh, for Rookie of the Year. Never mind yeah. CJ Stroud. Screw that. I know CJ <laughs> Stroud's been important for the Texans, but Aubrey's like set all kinds of records this year. Like consecutive kicks and this one the one that made it 10-10 that's another like uh, it was 51 yards so another greater than 50 yard uh, field goal completed by him so the the guys like considering he only took up place kicking what when he was 23 so like what four yeah. years ago or something like that and he's just walked into an NFL job kind of thing and he's doing it so anyway kind of hats off to him uh, game keeps rolling 10 all now then in, ends up um Cooks had a few good drives on here, or Dak then started going to Cooks a bit more. I haven't even really mentioned Lamb yet, but like through this whole thing, Lamb's obviously on his way to his like two hundred million yard game, and yes, he like, was. Yeah, he was. He was playing absolutely fantastic, kind of thing. But Cooks, like in the, the fourth quarter, he really stepped up, kind of thing. Like he had a couple of catches for first downs, like really important catches, and boy, did he get hit hard. To mm-hmm. make those catches as well. It was one of those ones where I'd not be surprised if he's got bruised or cracked ribs or whatever, like after the game. But I mean, he looked fine at the time, but I was like, holy cow, he got he, he earned every yard that he got. Lamb took the headlines because he put up huge totals, but yeah. every one of Cook's catches was like, yeah, I mean, you seen it coming, but just, yeah. just too late to defend the pass, but yeah, not so late that he could get crushed. <laughs> Yeah, well, the Lions were just basically going knock that ball loose kind of thing. Mm. Like, just trying to do whatever you can to knock that ball loose. But Cooks is just like, no, take that. <laughs> and then down he would go. Um, anywho, so this is the fourth quarter. This is when it gets really interesting. Kind of thing. So we have, like, you know, the Cooks TD, 17-13 to the Cowboys. Then Goff ends up, he's driving the Lions down the field. And with two minutes, just before the two-minute warning, two minutes, six seconds to go, what does he do? He throws another, his second of the game, interception. And you think, oh, he's giving the ball back to Dallas. They push the ball back up the field. Aubrey gets another field goal, this time for 43 yards, 2013, with one minute 41 to go. And you think, 
this is probably it because I mean the Lions they've been you know they've been moving the ball but not as efficiently as normal. So then after that, you end up with this mad play with the Lions coming down the field, they've run out of timeouts, they're chucking the ball up, they're, they're spiking the ball early, and then you end up with St. Brown, who also, like in any other day, you'd be going like, wow, I'm in St. Brown. You know, he only had six receptions, but 90 yards. Mm-hmm. He gets a touchdown. So the touchdown, that then sends it to 2019. And this is where all the key stuff happens. It also, I should yes, say, Sam Laporta, because, again, take another potential rookie of the year candidate as well outside Aubrey. Um, you know, as a tight end, like that guy was making huge plays in that last drive. And even looking like, that whole kind of second half, the guy was like again taking big hits and stuff, like to come down with the ball and earn those first downs. <coughs> Sorry, I need to cough there. But um so anyway it comes to this. So it's 2019. Dan Campbell goes, you know what? We could kick the field goal here or kick the PAT here. And potentially go to overtime, <laughs> or and oh. Campbell, I'm going to go for two points. So you end up with this whole thing happening where you have. Uh, what, uh, sorry, sorry, Stu. Before you go any further, can I just confirm? Are you eligible to participate in this play? Yes, <laughs> I'm. I'm rubbing my chest, <laughs> and I'm talking to you clearly. I'm eligible, but the problem is, is Kev's over there, waving his hands, but not speaking. Not saying anything. And so, anywho, that's essentially <laughs> what happens. I mean, we'll get to that. So, it was, it was kind of some misdirection attempted by Dan Campbell, which, to be fair, I'm like, you know what? Like, if the guy is clearly declaring himself, he was the one going, look, look, I'm the one that's eligible and I'm the one that's talking to you. And yeah. you see the ref looking at him and acknowledging him. You think, okay, cool. It doesn't matter that the other guy's waving his hand, also acting like maybe I'm the eligible one, um, but not speaking. So he's, he never never said in to declare himself as uh, we'll get to the names in a minute. So anyway, two point attempt, ball gets thrown up to Decker, who was the one who thought he was eligible, but the refs have decided that number seventy was eligible instead, and that's uh, I should remember his name, but uh, they thought it was what's his name? I should have this here. I had this written down and I've lost it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Number seventy. Flag gets thrown. You know, Detroit are in the middle of celebrating wildly. They think they've done it. They think they've won. So then it ends up being like illegal touching. Shouldn't have been Decker that caught it, even though the Lions are like, that's who we called. No matter. They decide to go back to the two-point well again because they have the option at that point, like, let's just kick the you know the, the one-point mm-hmm. to the overtime maybe. They go for it this time. Now there's an interception. However, Mika Parsons has like uh, went went offside, so another flag is thrown this time against Dallas. So you've then had you are now going on to attempt three. So the Detroit Lions at this point, you would think, well, you know what, just kick the point, like just kick the point and end yes. it or send it to overtime, and we'll see what happens then. What does Dan Campbell do? No, we're running it again. Two points. Here we go. <laughs> it was kind of like watching somebody like you know in the the casino at the end of the night. Yeah. Like, he's blown all of his savings payday or whatever and he's he was having a good night earlier on or whatever and he was like 500 pound up or a thousand pounds up and then the roulette table just decides i'm taking all that money oh. back. and then the last three hours he's just sitting there doubling up doubling up just trying to make that money back and at the end of the night he's there like you know going up to the teller basically like come on guys i just i just need a bit more money if you just I'm let off. me go another thousand pound here maybe i can win all my money back 
Mm. And just, no, so anyway, Dan Campbell goes for it. Goff throws the ball, ends up short. Um, and Detroit Lions lose. Awesome. You know, that's it. Game over. Cue all of the drama and the aftermath with, like, Allen and his referees team. They're claiming that, oh, no, no, this, uh, it was definitely, um, I should have his name, is it Skipper? Is that his Skipper. name? Skipper. Yeah, Skipper. yeah, Skipper. So they Skipper, Skipper. number 78, declared. Yeah. And the Detroit Lions are saying, like, no, it was definitely Decker, definitely Decker. And you end up with this whole kind of post-mortem going on where all the cameras are getting reviewed. And you look at it and you're like, you know what? It was Decker that declared. And you see the referee looking at him. And he's like, I never heard that. I never looked at him. I didn't know he declared. So you've got that on one side with the refs trying to claim that, uh, no, they got it completely right in the time and it was okay. Now, after the fact, the the league have kind of came out and said they've doubled down on it and just been like, nope, teams aren't allowed to do this misdirection thing. They need to make it very clear who's being declared as an eligible receiver, which, fair enough, I get it. Uh, but that was seen to be like, okay, they're defending the refs. However, they have since pulled Allen and his team yes. off the playoff schedule because there's been a few other things that happened earlier in the year as well. So to me, I kind of go like, okay, I get it. They've maybe acted like they were defending the refs in the first place, but it maybe looks like the league has actually agreed behind closed doors and went, you know what, you guys screwed this up, kind of thing. And uh, never mind the fact they missed the trip or they called the trip on their own guy. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to bring that because the two point conversion shouldn't actually have even really been on the cards. Yeah. Because just before it, um, uh, uh, Hendrickson. Yeah. Uh, was 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 incorrectly let off with the trip. It was given against the Cowboys and it pushed them back. Uh, Hutchison. Hutchison, uh, Hutchison, sorry. Hutchison. Yeah, yeah. Hutchison should have been called for tripping, which would have dramatically changed how that all went. Yeah, because um, it was Hendershot, in which case that's the other team kind of thing. So yeah, it was, they, they, they totally got it wrong. Well, it wasn't yeah. even close to being right. Well, yeah. the bit where this all comes to with everything to do with the refs is the fact that we are sat here on a podcast days after it. And are we talking about there's a point I'm going to put to you both uh, a, wee, a wee observation I had about the game about the play in the game, but that's not what the talking point is. That's not what the story is for this game. The story points they appreciate, and not for the first time this year. Now, yes, not for the first time with this ref crew this year as well. Yeah. they've been called up earlier in the year. And yeah, as you quite rightly said, Stu, um, they've been downgraded as a team, so they will not be eligible to ref in the playoffs. Although they are refing the Steelers-Ravens this week. Yeah. Action's been taken. But like, do you know what I mean? We might have our thoughts. Do, do we think this season that the officiating has been worse than we're used to? Or is this a case of sports fans being our usual fickle selves and every year is the worst year that the refs have ever been because it's the year we're going through right now. But what, what do we think? I think um, just just in, in in recent memory, I think Studs has, has had a, a a real bashing every year that I can remember for you know the the officials given the, the Chiefs um, decisions okay. that they shouldn't be getting and you know Kansas yeah. City cheats. I I think you know. It's recency bias all the time, and it you always think that the most recent ones are worst, and um, it seems to be happening more often these days. I don't think so. I think refs are human. You know, 
mistakes are going to be made, and it just depends whether it goes for or against you in any given week. Whether you th- whether you think the the refs were um, particularly bad or not. Well, other, other than that one week where that ref tried to tackle Lamar in the end zone. <laughs> you know, look at that guy's face when he was going oh, through the just the, the sheer look of terror. <laughs> what, 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 everybody, I don't believe you if you're going to tell me that you've never in your life fucked something up so bad that all you felt is that sinking dread. Yeah. Of just wanting, like he, all he wanted was an earthquake so that yeah. the end zone could open and swallow him whole. Yeah. That was yeah. all he wanted. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Going back to your question, though, Brian, like uh, I would say it's kind of to echo Kev there. I think it's a bit of both. Um, we as fans love taking a complaint about refereeing decisions. It's something that we do. And on that, I will bring it round back to something that Dan Campbell said. It may have been yesterday or the day before, like kind of post the game. Um, when he just said, he was like, look, I'm not wallowing in it. Like, basically, mistakes happen. Like the, these things, he's like, yeah, I was mad at the time, and he was like, I'm right to be mad, um, but I'm not going to wallow in it. Mistakes happen, and he was saying like, look, Lions fans, we can't do this because he's like, I know we seem to think we're cursed, and there was all these things that you know the Megatron rule, and like, um, mm-hmm. it was like some, I forget something else that happened back in 2013 that he brought up as well, and he was saying like, I know you guys like all worry about this stuff, but he's like, this happens to every team, and he was like, look, I was on the Saints staff in 2019. With that no call pass interference flag that happened or whatever as well, and he's like, it just happens. He's like, there's no conspiracy kind of thing around like that. So he's like, it happens to every team. So he's like, please don't be those people kind of thing. And I was like, you know what, Dan? I'm like, that's a good message, um, and I think that's probably yeah. the way to be. So he's clearly that they're in the playoffs. They've won the they've won the North title for the first time yep. like in thirty years or whatever or a title or division first time they've ever won the North and the first time they've won a division title in thirty years so I think maybe take that away Detroit fans you have no reason to be upset this year but uh, yeah it kind of sucked that it went down the way it went down but same time though if they just bloody kicked the field goal in the first yep. half as I said it's yep. they would have won anyway. just taking the extra point. Just yeah. taking the PAT after the first one went south, you get overtime, and who knows what the ball game's got to yeah. say. Right, well, if we moving moving on for a game where somebody arguably we watched a lion get beaten by a zebra, which doesn't happen often, uh, to battle the birds as it was, and Kev, yeah, he's wearing a hat as well today, actually, folks. This is where watching us on the YouTube has its advantages. Um, so yes, Kev. It was the Battle of the Birds, your your beloved Eagles, set up for a, a canter, non-event of a game, easy win, continued march to the postseason, and, you know, duking it out with those Cowboys for that number two seed in the NFC, wasn't it? Oh, Brian. Um, <laughs> oh, this is, this is getting tougher and tougher. <laughs> you know, Coming on here and and having to go over a defeat, um, as as much as it as much as it hurt, um, when we, when you're used to losing, getting you, uh, sorry, when you're used to winning, getting used to losing's far worse. Um, I, I I was, I I really don't know how to analyse this game. Um, I've I've, I've been looking at it. Sorry if you don't mention them, mate. Don't you worry. <laughs> well. <laughs> Well, um, no, do you know, I want to be sitting here as that guy 
like like you just done for your um for your uh, Browns review. Um, just buzzing that we're in the playoffs, looking forward to it. I don't want to be, you know, before before a, a ball's even kicked in the postseason, you know, sitting here writing off Eagles' chances. Um, so I want to come at it from a point of view where, you know, we didn't really have anything to play for, although we did. Um, I, I want to keep, you know, I almost want to be telling myself that, you know, it was two teams just chucking a ball about, you know, nothing really at stake. Um, but unfortunately I know that that's not the truth um, for the Eagles we had you know number two um, number two spot in the conference up for grabs still um, potentially maybe even number one although that's highly unlikely but you know you know I just don't I don't know what's going on with Eagles I mean the game looking at it from the point of view where we're, we're trying to win it we you know we've got stuff still to play for against a team who's probably just going through the motions and maybe just trying to just trying to find a bit of um a bit of form and enjoy themselves because they've got nothing really at stake. Um that can be tough at times, but you know, you'd like to think when push came to shove in a game like that that we would have we would have more in more in our locker, we would have what it took. Um we started off the game great. Um, we, you know, we got a stop in in the first drive. Um, made them made them kick the three points. We go straight down the field and score a great touchdown. Um, we got a defensive score, which I'll talk a bit more about later. Um, and we, we again stopped them um, from getting in the end zone, limited them to three again. So you know, the end of the first half, we're looking we're looking decent. Um, you know, defense seems to be doing up, decent. Yeah, but I mean, the defence seem to be doing okay. The, the offence is working. We're getting scores for, you know, Julio, Gainwell's playing great. You know, just everything seemed to be going uh, to plan. And it looked like, yeah, you know, we're getting we're getting back to where we want to be. Uh, maybe getting into a bit of a, a stride before the playoffs. And then in the second half, it just seemed to all fall apart. Um, and that's, that's really, really worrying. Um, the biggest problem I think we had on the day was James Connor. Uh, he ran all over us, and also Kyler Murray. Like the amount of times that the pocket collapsed, and he just scooted out of there and, and you know ran forward for first downs. And um, yeah, we we just we we didn't seem we we seemed to fall apart on on defense a bit, um, and then. When we finally we 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 finally seem to get it together, we we managed to to get another touchdown to put us back into the lead, and then the Cardinals go back up. They get they get another one themselves, and then they go for an onside kick and give us possession in the midfield, um, where you know a, a scoring drive there at the very least uh, would have uh, probably given us um, overtime, but. We 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 just couldn't get uh, couldn't get up the field from well we couldn't get down to the end zone for um for midfield we, we take the points give the ball straight back to them and then they they go right up the uh, the field and score a, another touchdown so it, it feels like first half everything seemed to be looking good and going well um and I felt like we were in a good place and then second half nothing nothing was working we couldn't stop them scoring we. we you know, we kind of uh, 
dried up on offense as well. Um, and leading into the playoffs, uh, it's, it's really, really worrying for the Eagles. Um, as I said, there's not much you can say about the Cardinals. Um, they've got Kyler back now. They had they were missing him for a huge chunk of the season. Um, you know he's he's looking good. Um, Jimmy Connor, as I said, had a great game. But it was Dorch Dorch as well. He mm-hmm. um, he he gave our backs a roasting. Um, you know yards after catch um, a few times that um, that he put up um, kind of showed us up. But they're just they're just out there enjoying themselves really. Um, Whereas we've we've still got stuff to play for, and and at the moment, you know, earlier in the season it looked like we were immune to pressure. Um, it looked like we just, you know, we just kept on doing what we do. Um, and you know, when when it really counts, we come up big. And uh, now it just seems like it's kind of flipped. Um, it's gone the opposite way. Um, and in this game, obviously we were the only team with pressure on us, but um, when we really needed to. Um, to make big plays on defense, on offense, uh, we, we we never found it. So I'm just hoping something changes really quick um, over the next um, the next couple of weeks, um, so that I can enjoy these playoffs and it's it's not a one and done. Well, you know your your defense is where I want to hone in, mate, because the Cardinals have put what 35 points up on you. They. They are the league's currently the 24th ranked offense in the league. So they're a bottom third offense in the league. You didn't make them punt once the whole game. The only, I've got, you know, actually, I've got a very quick, here's here. So going through the, the Cardinals plays for the whole game field goal, interception, well, the pick six. Uh, field goal, uh, end of the half. So that's kind of, kind of is what it is. Touchdown, 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 touchdown. <laughs> God, <laughs> damn, that's terrifying. Yeah. From and bad. I don't wrong. Ky- Kyler can be a stud, and we've all seen good Kyler, and they might be getting good Kyler back, and all the rest of it. Greg Dots was his number one receiver. Um, yeah. and it is the ghost <laughs> of James Connor. Um, so. Brian, James Connor is that would be too. This is 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 too. Absent, generally absent. Yeah, particularly they, in the second half. Yeah, they, um, they put up over two hundred yards rushing, and you know what? Like the thing is, see if see if see if they're running all over you like that, but you're stopping the pass. But there was nothing from our defense. Um, absolutely nothing. You know, we're chucking balls up the field, getting guys free, um, and as I said. Getting loose um, after the catch and um, you know and, and, and running on us as well, like up and down the field. It was just um, so disappointing because you know we're used to seeing the Eagles' defense um, being able to shut down the run game, maybe giving up um, you know passing yards, but shutting down the run game or, or, or vice versa. But in this game, um, and as I said in the first half, we we did. I know we didn't force them to punt, but we we stopped them. Um, you know twice. 
um, and we and we also got a defensive score. So uh, the defense in the first half done all right, and, and I suppose it's probably unfair for me to sit here and say that you know um, the blame's on the offense and the defense because the offense you know did put up thirty odd points. You know, um, well, but then again, the, the all those points weren't from the offense. Um, you know, the, okay, the, the, okay, the offense put up the the offense put up what uh, uh, twenty four. Uh, yeah, still, but I mean, still not bad it's all right. It's all right. Um, but I just, I, th- I think you're right. It's probably more on the defense. Um, but I think you know, it just, it just. I think we're, we're so used to seeing Jalen Hurts, um, you know, in the fourth quarter when we need a score or in the second half when we're coming from behind, just, you know, just uh, doing what we needs done. Um, and in this game, especially, I couldn't believe when they went for the onside kick after um, after scoring and uh, tying it up again and giving us the ball straight back in the centre of the field. Um, I thought, yes, you know, we've got them here. Um, but, you know that was that was the biggest disappointment, and yeah, that that's where the cards D um, stood up and got the the important stop. Um, whereas obviously um, our D just didn't do that for us all day. Now, do you know one of one of the, just before we move on, it's if one of the final interesting bits is it's two very very different takes that you're hearing tonight on being the fifth seed, and I'm not actually saying this as a dig. It's the Browns and the Eagles are both sat there, both eleven and five. Both number five and there was both fifth seeds. Yeah, you're locked in at five now as well, aren't you? Think so. Uh, no, if if we win our last game and the Cowboys lose I theirs, can, yeah, you can, no, you can still flip with the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah you can still we flip can with flip, the Cowboys. Yeah. If, they, if they lose and you win, uh, right? Yeah. But anyway, if if the Eagles finished as the fifth seed for reasons, um, you would be really disappointed at that. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I'm yeah. just delighted to be here. I mean, I'm just Brian, not happy to even be in the conversation. Brian, the slight difference is, is like, well, who would the, um, I mean, Kev, who would you be playing if you finished fifth? Whereas, Brian, you'd be playing the Jaguars, who have sort this of... This is true. I mean, um, <laughs> so now this is one where I don't actually think we can really go too into it. So I'm trying to keep speculating. Yeah, no, 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 we're, I know we're keeping those lines. But... Pod, saving it for the boys to talk about in the, the preview crew. But the yeah the the bigger issue is that the NFC still has three very legitimate contenders for their wild their wild card spots. Whereas the AFCs were, were basically just waiting on the the Jags and stuff to, to sort themselves out. That's yeah. kind of it. So. Yeah, that, what what I meant though was just like I think you the Browns you're locked in at fifth, aren't you? Yep, we're locked in. Yeah, so you're locked in at fifth, so you basically will be playing the winner of that AFC, yeah. South, which means you're probably playing the Jags. Let's yeah. Say. I mean, you won't care whether it's the Texans or the Jags, to be honest. Nah, that's um, much Eagles, if you finish fifth, you're playing probably Baker Mayfield. Woo. Nobody wants to play Baker Mayfield. Because... <laughs> uh, in Tampa. In Tampa. I never thought I'd be saying this on, on here this season, but I'm actually jealous of the Browns fans at the moment. Yeah. I mean, Imagine I, wishing you were a Browns fan. I know what it's. I know what it's like to get into the playoffs. You know, in the, the last few years, and it's a it's a great experience. So, uh, oh, happy for, I love it happy so you. much. Yeah. Um, uh, right, rather you than the Steelers, I'll put it that way, Brian. 
I do, I'm just loving this idea of everybody wishing they were around for. Um, right, okay, uh, before we go into further chats, uh, shall we shout out? We've had the Dynasty uh, Hot Seat, a uh, couple of messages on YouTube. Uh, big hello, guys. They are a fantasy football creator, uh, another Scott in the NFL airspace. So, delighted to hear from these guys uh, and for everybody listening. And uh, make sure you give them a wee look as well. Now, with that all said, we are going to put this week in the rear view, gents. We are going to start to just recap some of the, the big talking points that have came out from us this week, and then we will move into all of our lovely little set pieces. We'll talk about who our cruise missile candidates are, who crushed it this week, and Kev is going to fill us in on who balled out before I, because I've, I've not I've kept this a secret from Stu this week, um, before I give you a wee statistic of the week. Um, so, putting the week in the rear view, guys, what are your thinking about everything that's happened this week? So, to give us a recap, some of the big points that have came out this week. Ravens have clinched the number one seed in the AFC. That's clinched, it's theirs. Uh, Browns have clinched number five. Uh, Casey have clinched uh, into the playoffs as well. They've clinched the division. And the Niners have clinched the number one seed. So in terms of playoffs, that is what we know right now. What are what are your big kind of takeaways for that? Or just general kind of thoughts about this week and what we've seen? Uh, as much as I just said, I, I hate them. Um, again, I guess we need to show a bit of respect to Mr. Tomlin and... Is yeah. 17 year running and for Pittsburgh, it's 20, I think it's 20 years running for the team, but for him as a coach, yeah. 17 years running with a uh, above 500 record. So, and they, they still have the chance to make the playoffs going into this week, don't they? Because if mm-hmm. they, um, yeah, they need a lot of things to happen, but yeah, I mean, I think they beat the Ravens, but like as we've just said, Ravens have clinched, so they are likely yeah. to rest everybody and their dog, kind of thing. So, it's <laughs> So we'll see. But yeah, that was one of my big takeaways for this week, beyond the Bengals uh, being eliminated as well. You know, I was going uh, to make that a talking point of the week. I chose not. I mean, it's been coming, like, it's been coming <laughs> for so long. I've kind of made my peace with it. And we've been so cursed by injuries this year that I'm just kind of like, you know what? If we get a slightly better draft pick, like let's just do that. And then maybe we can pick up some O-line or like, you know, if we need to replace one of Higgins or Boyd, I don't know if both are gone or not. Like, we might be in the market for a better wide receiver again. So if we're picking that kind of mid, you know, middle of the draft, can I say? Because I think we're picking 14th or 16th or something right now. Then that's a grab a wide receiver. So a good one. <laughs> yeah, but but the the Steelers, bye. As much as it pains you, it pains me. You need to give it the respect. Nah, um, number good. number one streak in the NFL. Number one streak was the Cowboys from 65 to 85. Uh, so 21 21 seasons. Yeah. Um, they went winning record. Steelers are now on 20. And of those 20, there's only three of them that weren't under Mike Tomlin, which is just... Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, in a league like this, it's such a, such a feat. Um, what about you, Kev? Anything, anything big and interesting jump out at you for the week that's passed? Uh, no, I, I watched um, I watched the Ravens um, against Miami and I just thought Lamar... Um, you know, last week we were all talking about MVP and how Lamar's not really doesn't it really deserve to be in uh, that conversation. And uh, I, well, no, not only that, I think I think there was um, there was a pundit somebody came out before the game against Miami and said he's not quarterbacky enough or something like that. Um, you know, uh, basically criticised him, um, and after the game. Talked about, um, you know, 
this this guy should keep his mouth shut. He's not putting the pads on. He's not going out there. So it definitely seemed to kind of, um, you know, inspire him to, to the performance that he put up. You know, it was in his mind. Um, yeah, like basically a perfect rating. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he goes, you know, and what was it? It becomes his third, only the third quarterback ever with three um, perfect quarterback rating games. Um, Five touchdowns, zero interceptions. Like. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it, you know, I watched it, and some of the some of the bombs that guy throws down the field, and you know, he's well known for his mobility and his his ability to move in the pocket, and you know, um, make make yards on on the rush. But he, he seems to be able to throw the ball the entire length of the field with ease. Like it doesn't, it doesn't even seem to need a back, you know, a back lift. He just chucks it, and it goes for miles. Um, so I was very very impressed um, yes. with Lamar. On, on the quarterback thing as well, though, I would like to give a shout out. Oh, shout right. Out no, no, don't. Shut No, stop. You're about to ruin my statistic of the week. Okay, I now know what it is. None of it. None of it. You've accidentally stumbled <laughs> on my statistic of the week. Less of it. I'm, I'm putting a pin in you. And I'm using my, my authority as host. Okay, okay, I'm stopped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but honestly, for everyone that's in genuine, right? Now, we obviously talk about stuff before we go on air. We, we, we kind of make sure that we're not going to talk over each other's points or the rest of it. I have kept this a secret from Stu because I knew it's the kind of thing he would want to talk about. Well, I have another thing I want to talk live about. Live on air. <laughs> <laughs> Like, okay, you know we'll get to again, this is great. This is the bits that people don't know exist in the background. To make sure yeah. I'm right, Stu, you put what you're going to say in the little private chat box that we've got, just so I can be even more upset about it when I realise that I'm right. A couple other bits came up this week. Um, Tyreek, he set the receiving yards record, uh, 171 yards, with a game to spare. So it neatly avoids him having to deal with the, oh, but you had an extra game to play with. So, yeah, mega, mega year for him. Nobody's surprised. Um, yep, yep, Stuart, that was the exact point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and also, Brock Pudley uh, set the Niners franchise passing record, 4,280 yards, uh, beating out Jeff Garcia's 2,000 record by uh, two yards. But he's still got a, he's still got one to play theoretically. I, I think they might I think they might rest Puddy though for this week. I mean we already know that he's, he's got the record. Playing, one of these ones, if he didn't get the record, you'd probably seen they sent him out there for like one series just to claim it and then yeah. hook them. Yeah, but he's um, done it, so. right, moving on, uh, our cruise missile of the week. Now, mine's already been mentioned uh, in the episode tonight, but my my suggestion that I'm going to put forth is the one, the only CD Lamb. It was it was ninety two yards on the play, um, absolutely insane. And as Stu quite rightly said when he was talking through it earlier on in the pod, it's not even so much the the toss and the catch, which was incredible. It was really impressive. It was Dak getting out. It should have been a safety. It should have been a safety, or or at worst, it should have been a sack on the one. Um, but he wriggled himself out. He got the ball away. Um, yeah, some of the Lions defenders maybe need to have a wee look at themselves in terms of making that sack, and the safety did hit the deck. Yes, you're trying to lock down Lamb, who's been one of the most dominant wide receivers in the game this year, um, but you're still failing your ass. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 my my pick for it this week. Uh, Kev, what what would your your choice be uh, for your your cruise missile of the week? 
Um, you know, I, w- I would say probably one of the many Lamar um, bombs that he threw in that game. Uh, I'm trying to think of the, the one that I liked the Zay most. Was it maybe one of likely? Zay, Zay Flowers has got to be. Oh, yeah, yeah that's the one. Yards. That's the one, the Zay Flowers. Yeah. Kev, yeah. Kev, I actually yeah. I had something because I actually thought you were going to go with uh, you know your Eagles, um, the Sydney Brown, ninety eight yard. No, that aye, that was a pick. That was a pick. That's what I'm going to go with, but not for <laughs> not for this. Oh, but... oh no, 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 uh, I just just have that's all I was going to get, but we'll get to uh, that. No, I was, I was. See, for the bomb, I was, it, 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 the thing is, it's not well. It's not really a missile. Um, the the touchdown that Jimmy Connor um, scored against us with a one handed catch was pretty impressive. But um, I think in terms of throw, um, Lamar Lamar Flowers was was my favourite this week. Probably you, Steph. Probably your cruise missile be. Of, of the week, what was one of the ones that, that caught you and I? I was like, two, they, they, we've hit two of the big massive ones. There were a couple of them. Yeah, interesting I mean, interpretations I, was go with Zay I knew you were going with Lamb, so I was going to go with Zay Flowers as well. So that's kind of threw me through a loop a bit here. But um, you know what? I'll maybe say the, the, the Detroit Lions two point attempt to. Just in terms of the destruction that it had wrought upon the NFL. <laughs> You yeah. could always cheer me up a bit and go with the hearts to Devontae Smith or something like that. That was a great one. That was a good, you know what? That was a great touchdown, so I will go that with was, that. That was very nice. <laughs> uh, right, okay. Uh, we're going we're gonna to keep things chunting along swiftly, chaps. We're going to go for who we feel crushed it this week. Uh, now, I, I, as, and I've, I've been very modest and I've not mentioned it yet, uh, but I'm going to mention it now. Uh, as the Gridiron Cruise fantasy football champion... <laughs> I was crowned this week. I not only won our home league, folks, but I also won our Gridiron Crew Pod League. Uh, double champion. Uh, so I am picking one man and one man only because he assisted me in many leagues this year and certainly assisted me in the final this year. C.D. Lamb, 227 yards, a touchdown and five rushing yards. Because why not? Uh, for me, he is the, the man who absolutely dominated and crushed it this year. Uh, this, well, yes, this year, but this week. Stu, what about yourself? Who did you have as the, the man you feel crushed it this week? James Connor. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kev. Sorry, Kev. I just, I, I thought he, that was like, you know, as he's done for the last couple of years, he's just, he's rolled back the years and rolled over defences and, the fact he was able to do it against the Eagles, who'd normally have quite a stout run defence, like you said earlier on, I thought that was very impressive. And that one-handed catch was really like the cherry, cherry on top. Class, class. Well, going, um, going from James Connors, who rolled over the fences, to Kev, who rolled into the jobby bowl uh, and won it in the crew. I league. won it. <laughs> yes. So you'll get the top and the bottom on the pod for you tonight, folks. Uh, I don't know if you really want to then listen to who Kev thinks crushed it this week. Uh, uh, do you know what, mate? I, I'd actually forgotten about that, Brian, so thanks very much for reminding me. <laughs> um, do you know, there's only one answer to this. Um, there's only one answer. It is Lamar. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for a homer and say Julio Jones, two touchdowns. Yes. Come, he's, he's in there competing with Flacco for comeback player of the year. 
Like, what year is this? Black <laughs> Jones in the headlines. What year is this? <laughs> um, right, okay. Uh, we are going to we're going to do our final segment before I allow Stu of the punchline on the statistic of the week because I know he knows it. But Kev, to to wrap this wee segment up yourself, sir, uh, who balled out for us this week? Um, well, it was an eagle, um, and it was Sydney Brown. Um, Stu, Stu, <laughs> Stu uh, mentioned it. He, he blew it earlier. Um, Sydney Brown, we are 98, 96, 98, yard. Pick six, um, and to be honest, when he catches that ball, there's absolutely no way on earth he should be scoring a touchdown for that position. Now, Kev, and I, this yeah. is the thing I had on this, and um, and it's not statistic of the week because Brian's one is, and this is also I can't confirm it yet. So the whole time you were doing the Eagles game, I was sitting furiously searching away on the internet because I've been trying to figure out because it just occurred to me because obviously Sydney's twin brother plays for the Bengals, like they were both drafted this year, he's a running back, Sydney's a safety Um, with him getting at the the pick six, like the touchdown, I wondered there was like, has there ever been any twins in the NFL that have scored touchdowns in the same year and I was kind of thinking about it and I'm like, well I think the only ones I could remember like for recent years is that you've got the Griffin brothers and I know one of them hasn't scored a touchdown and he's now retired so they're not doing it, then you've got Devin and Jason McCourty They've both scored touchdowns in their career, but neither have done it in the same year. Kind of thing. Or in the same year. So, ah. so there's one for like two each. Get in touch with the crew on X. Let Aye. us know, has there ever been a time when two twins, twins. Yeah. have scored a touchdown in the same season? That's yeah. a hell of a thing. And if there has been, then... Were they on opposite sides of the ball? Because that's pretty cool as that's well. Even, that's yeah. even more impressive. You're yeah, right. because with the Portons, they're both defensive players as well. And then with the Griffins, like one was a linebacker, one was a cornerback. So, yeah. Right, but, okay, um, from one, one potentially very interesting statistic on to our statistic of the week. Now, as everybody knows, as we've talked about it in the pod before, we've talked about it tonight as well, Baltimore are dominant. Frankly, um, and in every aspect of the game, they're dominant. Um, but they set it to a whole new level this week against uh, as they were playing this week. Their offense is known for being dynamic. The threat that Lamar's rushing, holding defenses in check, making them be honest, all the rest of it, well advertised. However, this week they achieved something that had never been achieved in NFL history before. Stu, would you like to tell us what the Ravens managed this week that had never been done before? What the Ravens managed this week, and we kind of hinted at it earlier, was they had both two quarterbacks in one game achieve a perfect passer rating of 158.3. Tyler Huntley entered the game through one pass with one completion, and it was a 19-yard touchdown. So there you go, Tyler Huntley and Lamar. Hats off. Both, both of them perfect. One fifty-eight <laughs> ratings for the pair of them. I wear a hat. I should yeah. bring that into the mix. Um, right. Okay. And with that, that is going to bring us to the end of our review of week 17. Uh, oh, pardon me, guys. That's me. It's me doing the coffin spluttering now. Now, we've got one more week of regular season football to look forward to. Uh, it will be with us before we know it. And who knows what drama um, we are going to get. 
Now, remember, your coverage of all things Week 18 starts with the preview crew on Thursday, which is tomorrow, as we are quite late recording this week. Um, so join the guys tomorrow to get your fill of all things setting you up for the last week of the regular season and drawing to a close all of the intrigue surrounding the playoffs. With that all said, all that remains for me to do is say a massive thank you to Stu. Thank you very much for joining me tonight, mate. You're welcome, Brian. It was a pleasure as always and uh, lovely to share the screen and the airwaves with you. Thank you very much. And uh, Kev, a massive thank you to yourself again, mate. It's been a pleasure having you on as always. Thanks, mate. I actually feel a wee bit better about myself after that. Telling you, I'm going to start charging Kev therapy fees for this. <laughs> um, therapy. Yes. Now, remember, everybody, you can keep in touch with the crew. Uh, you can find us on X at Grid Iron Crew. You can get us on Insta, Grid underscore Iron underscore Crew. You can actually watch these live on Insta now as well. Uh, you can find us on threads, on YouTube, anywhere and everywhere you get your podcasts. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a follow. Join the community, get in touch. We would love to hear from you. And until next time, it's just like for me to say thank you very much. See you all on the next one.